Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. I'm Mary Wittenberg. I'm president of EF Education First Pro Cycling, and I'm incredibly passionate about bringing people together and helping people unlock their potential through sport. You have to know what really matters to you and don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing because that's not a race you'll ever win. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Mary Wittenberg is the former CEO of New York Road Runners, which organizes the world-famous New York City Marathon. She is currently the president of the EF Education First Cycling Team. She talks about how health and fitness can fuel your personal success. So Mary, you are the oldest of seven children. What did you learn from that? I learned to love other people. <laughs> I learned that we all have something unique to bring to the table and that we're all different, even though we may appear the same to people from the outside. And I learned to really value value different perspectives. It was pretty fun being with seven kids. And even though you're the oldest, it sounds like, oh, you're the oldest, you must tell people what to do. <laughs> no, I had no extra credibility being the oldest. I was <laughs> just one of, one of the seven. And, and I think that actually has really helped me in life. I've learned to share. I I learned to look out for other people, and I feel incredibly fortunate to have been one of seven. And I hope I can bring some of that spirit to my boys, who are each only one of two. That's oh, right. right. Um, so you started your career as a corporate lawyer, and you said you were going to only stay for three years, but you ended up staying for 10. How come? Once I got there, and this tends to happen to me, I really got into what I was doing, and I liked the people. And I was young. I effectively grew up in my law firm. I went from undergrad to law school to work at a big law firm. And at the time, I was in Richmond, Virginia, and ironically, because I wanted to run and cycle, and so I wanted to be in a smaller city but with a big law firm. And I I loved the people I was working with. We were a summer class of 40 associates, and we sort of went through the ranks together, and it was a, it was a place where we were welcomed, especially as women. There were only a handful of us, and people looked out for us and really engaged us in things like the pro bono work and the recruiting work. So there was a lot more to it than just the law, and I think in retrospect, those were the parts I liked best. Um, but I just kept progressing, and I found that I really liked doing deals, and I liked transactions, and again, kind of being a quarterback and working with other people from throughout the firm, not just in my own practice. And so I kept going, even though that's not what I intended to do for life. And so I heard you took a pay cut to move over to Roadrunner. So what's your advice for women who are trying to make that calculation? Well, you've got to plan ahead. So my dream was to always work in sports. I grew up, again, as the oldest of seven, sports was big in our lives. And so I always wanted to be part of bringing sport into people's lives. And I also, as the oldest of seven, grew up paying for my own college and being mindful that I had to I had to be financially independent. And so I was going to choose first a career like law where I knew I could pay up my loans and I could get some security underneath me and then go pursue my dreams. So I think you've got to plan ahead. And then when it's time, you just jump and go for what your heart is saying. I, I could have – it happened to be the day I made partner is at my law firm was the day I said, 
wait a minute, I cannot get caught up in this. This is really? not what my end goal was and not the way I ever meant to define success for me. And it was that day that I recommitted. I have a passion for helping people through sport, and I'm going to find a way to go do it. So I had done some work so that I could go take a job that would pay a lot less. And and what the job paid at that time, it wasn't the top priority at all. The top priority was where can I be in a position where I can help people through sport and I can grow as a as a professional in my career. And I... I just say, get ready for that moment and don't ever lose sight of going after the moment. How do you not lose sight of that, though? Because, you know, conceivably a partner at a law firm makes a lot more money than working in some other fields. Again, you got to look ahead and what's important to you in life, right? I never, I was married by then. We were never caught up in the trappings that you can get caught up in when you begin to progress in your career like that. For us, it was never about a big house or multiple houses or any of the any of the kind of um, what seem to be assets but can become liabilities in life if they start to hold you back. And so we live simply. We, you know, we get our excitement by being outside and moving. And so we never uh, got ourselves in position where we had to always be at that same level. And I had to be making what I was making as a lawyer. But because once you do that, then you get yourself stuck and that was not something I ever wanted to do. How did you tune out that noise, though, right? Because I would think other partners are like, hey, I just got this, you know, insane house and what have you. Again, it's so much what matters to you. Now, that may really matter to you, right? And if that really matters to you, a beautiful house and or multiple of them in some location that would make it really expensive to have it, then that's cool. That's your thing, right? But I knew and we knew for us um, – that wasn't what's most important. And it's, I think, an overriding theme I try to always come back to and, and annually work back to school time, right? So it's another time I try to step back and say, what really matters to me? And you have to know what really matters to you. And don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing because that's not a race you'll ever win. So I'm wondering how much of having a family also factored into you deciding to get off the partner track? It's interesting. It factored a lot. I really wanted to have kids. We wanted to have kids. And at the time, I couldn't see how I was ever going to do that as a partner in a law firm back in those days. And we worked insanely hard, especially on a transaction team. And in retrospect, it's good that I already was going to change and get into sports because if I loved being a lawyer, I could have figured it out. Women figure it out. Men figure it out. And actually, law firms have changed. Banks have changed. That's all changed a lot. But I don't know, even if I loved it at the time, if I, I would have had the confidence to say I could make it work with, with, with having kids. So it mattered. It was another factor for us. What advice would you give women who are trying to make that calculation? Again, this is so hard, but don't worry about the way everyone else is, is, is doing it. Um, if the right thing for you and the right kind of child care requires you to do calls at home or miss not do every extracurricular at the office or miss something that other people think is something that you should be doing. It's just that's not what's most important to you right then. So you've got to find every person's situation is unique. Your your support system's unique to everyone else's and your your 
own personal life is unique. So stay super dialed into that. And the reality is I'm someone who worked 10 years at one place first at my law firm. Then I worked 17 years at New York Roadrunners and the New York City Marathon. Even all of that said, none of that is truly your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're living your life. So yeah. you know what? When you end up leaving places, and you are going to end up leaving places, right. most of us, it, it helps you realize, wait a minute, that's not my life. My life and my personal life is my life. And boy, you don't want to have looked back and have given up everything for jobs yeah. or roles that you were in because it's actually your kids or your family and personal passions that are always with you. And if you don't nurture those along the way, you'll find out quickly that they are the ones that matter most. And maybe they're not going to be there, but your jobs aren't going to be there. No, so even true. though you so into it at the time, they're just not going to be there your entire life. You said playing sports made you a better leader. How so? Uh, I think the biggest lesson I learned through sports was to keep going and to always pull value out of every experience. I was not good as an athlete in the sports of the day. Back then, we played softball and basketball, and I didn't have any hand-eye coordination, and I actually, even though I became a runner, I was not a fast runner, so... And you won a huge marathon. I won. It's actually a very big marathon. It doesn't have a lot of professional athletes at the front, but it is a big marathon. Um, I won the Marine Corps Marathon many years ago, and... But I wasn't fast. I wasn't fast at, say, sprinting. When you're in eighth grade, you're sprinting, right? You're not... I was good at going the distance, so... What I learned was just keep keep at it, and I still I got stronger and fitter, and I loved the teamwork. And and then I found sports, rowing and running, and now I love cycling um, that fit me. But it was actually helped me most by not being good. Actually, if you're super successful with sports early, I don't know that you'd have this – you'd get as much out of it as I got out of it by not being so great at it. That's interesting. You said women need to have a strong voice and a strong core. What do you mean by that? We get so many different perspectives. <laughs> now we get a lot of advice and people are always telling us what to do and what not to do. You need to be extra strong as women, especially in the workplace and especially in sports, because one, you're still a minority. And two, people aren't always ready. We look different and we sound different and people aren't always ready for that. So if you wait for people to say, hey, we want to hear your voice, or you wait for people to catch up to to your way of thinking, you're not going to end up saying much. And you've just got to be strong enough to know what you believe, what you care about, and be confident in your own voice and use it. And I think, I look back actually in career, I probably have only grown in confidence in many things I believed. And sometimes I'd get talked out of doing something or temper an idea. And instead of looking back and thinking, well, that was great, I actually think, man, I should have even gone harder. Really? Yeah. So just, Hmm. you know, listen and learn, but be confident in in yourself and your beliefs. Coming up, Mary Wittenberg discusses how small steps can lead to big results and how to harness energy to create change. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. So under your leadership, the New York City Marathon grew tremendously. What's the secret to creating an event many people want to be part of? Uh, well, first, have a great team around you. I'm a big believer. You know, be confident in yourself, but get get great people around you. And everything is a team effort. I don't care what anybody says. All of us are the result of a team effort. So something as significant in size and scope and impact as the New York City Marathon takes an amazing team. But the most important thing of all, all we had to do we shine the light on the people who were participating in the marathon because it is so inspiring. And why do New Yorkers come out and stand nine and ten deep along the streets of New York every single year? It's because it's incredible to see people of all walks of life, all shapes, all sizes, all nationalities come out and and go after this hugely audacious goal of running these streets of New York and finishing 26.2 miles. And so the number one thing we knew was put the light on those people and then make sure we did everything we could from our weekly events to the marathon to make sure the people in that event were as representative of this city and the world as possible. And this marathon is by far the world's most international and the most diverse. Because once you do that, everybody looks out and sees somebody like them. Oh, if that person can do it, I can do it. Oh, that's my friend. Oh, my uncle's in the event. Oh, my gosh, my school teacher is doing the event. And people then end up growing up with, oh, well, this is possible for me too, even though it's seemingly impossible when you're at home and sitting on the couch. So shining the light on those who are actually participating um, was was a big reason that we were able to keep growing, as well as obviously shining the light on the great five boroughs of New York City. Totally. I mean, I've, I've watched the race in person and on TV so many times, and so many times I just get like choked up because yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you wonder what their story is, and then you hear their story. It's just so inspiring. I'm just wondering how you got more women to be runners, and now in your your role in cycling, how are you getting more women involved and feeling like they they can do these sports? I think there's two things with women. One, we love an audacious goal. Two, we've got to break it down, like create the possibility for people. I think especially what we found in running, I think applies in cycling as well, that when we said, hey, join a running group, join a charity team, this can be social. It, it helped us reach a lot more women. It used to be, this is a race and just go out there and run as hard as you can run. And that can be alienating to a lot of people. When you make it more fun and more social, then, you know, I, I like to multitask. It's for me now, and I try to share this all the time, we're in busy lives. If you can go bike for an hour or run for an hour with buddies, you've done two things. You've gotten out with your friends or your family, and also you've gotten out there and you've gotten fitter. So for us, it was just helping make sure people knew this is fun. You can do this. The biggest thing is you can do this. And everybody, I've lived my whole life just trying to help people realize they can do this. And whether it's cycling or running or starting in a job that they're intimidated about, you can do this. And so we just tried to put as much support around it as, as we possibly could with running groups and charity groups and, and others. And now I think in cycling, it's it's very similar. Cycling with EF Pro Cycling, we have a men's professional world tour, Tour de France team. And yes, we want to win the Tour de France. But what we also want to do is open up the Peloton and show people 
we, you know, you can get out there and do this. And one of the big things we're doing, we're spending a lot of time doing grassroots events, gravel events. We were at the Dirty Kansas, a race in the middle of Kansas. We were at Leadville in Colorado, this mountain biking race. This weekend in Boston, we have what's called Hub on Wheels, which is, it's a, it's a bike Boston. It's the only chance to ride all the neighborhoods of Boston, and it's open to everybody. And that's the kind of thing that people think, oh, okay, I don't have to do the Tour de France, but boy, I'd love to bike Boston. And the more we can bring it to people in a relatable way and something that sounds fun, the more we'll get especially women out there and, and moving with us. I want to jump back to Roadrunners for a second. And so after Superstorm Sandy, there was a controversy, right? The race was on, then it was canceled, and some people, a lot of runners were left stranded, and you faced a lot of public criticism. So I'm just wondering, what advice would you give to someone who is facing, a woman who's facing public criticism, whether you know, it may not be on such a big scale, but maybe it's on Twitter, or maybe it's from her family, or maybe it's from people who just don't understand. Try, talk about, this is why you need a strong core. Yeah. It was the first time that I realized the whole world will not know what you think and how you feel about something in the middle of a crisis. crisis. And they are not ever going to understand your perspective or all the facts around a situation. So keep strong in your core, keep trying to make decisions that are best for your situation and try, this sounds crazy, but now I know in the moment of a crisis, hmm, I'm going to do my best and actually I'm going to learn a lot in this situation. And this is only a moment. When you're in a crisis, it does not feel, your first time, it does not feel like a moment. It feels like this, you're in it, and this yeah. is the rest of your life, forever. and it's forever, and it's not. It's absolutely not. So I've taken so many learnings from that time and shared them, which has been great, and also benefited from them myself. But do your best in the moment. Reach out to other people. Don't land yourself in a bubble. Don't close up. Actually open up and let people help and let people share perspectives and and bring people on the journey with you and you know stand by your your efforts and and your your intent and go to bed at night having made decisions that you believe were best and whether they were received that way or not you know that's all you can do in the moment does it bother you that i mean despite all the accomplishments you had with road runners growing the organization and you know growing so many more races, hugely increasing the amount of participation in the marathon. This is often one thing that people ask you about, and that's kind of identified with you. It's with the benefit of time, actually not at all. It doesn't. Now I actually believe that, you know, the storm is a natural disaster. We just happen to be in it, and we did our best with it. In the end, you know, the marathon of that day did what the city needed best, and we're proud of that, you know, helping helping in Staten Island and the runners carrying up big piles of water up the stairs of the apartment buildings in Coney Island when there's no electricity. I mean, but also, you know, that was a moment, and we did our best in the moment, and boy, did it help us double down our our efforts in local communities throughout New York City. It helped us you know, recommit to everything that we knew we stood for in our commitment to um, well beyond the big event in the marathon, but to um, getting people moving in all these boroughs. But not at all now. And I, I benefited it in so many ways that we actually 
things happen. We, when I was at Virgin Sport, our first event in the U.S. had to be canceled due to the wine country fires yeah. in San Francisco. And guess what? It was the most beautiful cancellation you've ever had because we learned, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I now know there's always ups and downs. And you, the more you embrace early and recognize that your career, your personal life, it's going to have ups and downs. And that's just part of what makes you who you are. And we, I wouldn't be nearly as – there's a lot that I'm um, – that I'm – good at and that I feel good about that I'm better for that experience. And I now actually wouldn't trade it. What's the biggest lesson you learned from Richard Branson, uh, who you worked for at Virgin? Keep it fun. Yeah. Keep it. Um, go ahead. Be comfortable being outside your lane. You know, Richard was way ahead of his time. He never worried about taking a stand um, about things he believed in, even though he had a company. Uh, it actually became part of his MO, right, and part of his being. But uh, especially when you're starting a company, Richard was a great voice of, is this fun? Is it going to be enough fun? People <laughs> want to have fun. In the end, and that's I always believe that anyway. My parting advice when I left New York Roadrunners to um, my team was, guys, remember, it's fun in the end. Keep it fun and have fun. You know, we live life once. You know, and there are moments we have to be really serious, but – that's why I've always worked with great people. I love EF Education First because I love the people. So, like, let's have fun. Part of every day should be fun because what else are we doing here? So okay. you've been able to change or turn your hobbies, sport and, you know, running and now cycling into a job. And so what advice do you have for women who want to turn that passion, that fun hobby they have, whether it's cycling or something else, into their profession? One, you can do it to develop skills that will help you uh, be good in in providing value in these areas of passion because you don't get a job just because you're passionate about it, but, you know, go out there and develop the skills and then do it. I actually can't any, I can't imagine being in, in a job that's not about sport or exploration or travel and adventure and, and helping unlock potential in people. And it's actually more that than in bringing people together are probably the most important things to me. And that can take different forms. But know what's most important to you. And there's so many ways to get to have that be part of your career. And it's a luxury when you can do it, but it's also something a lot more of us can have than people realize. But if I'm, you know, I'm a woman, just sort of shifting gears a little bit, I want to get fit, but I just feel like I'm just so busy and I don't have time. Like, what do you say to me? Oh, you can absolutely fit it in. One, these are my tactics, and I tell my team all the time, have wet hair. Who cares? I'm always (laughs) saying, guys, you know what? I'd rather somebody does not stop and dry their hair for 40 minutes, 40 minutes, instead of going for a workout. So yeah. um, I joke, I, but I'm, I'm serious. Like I always go fit in if you're lucky to be in a workplace that you can walk to work or you can you have a gym. Sometimes you need total break time, but sometimes you literally don't have any time. I will go over with my phone. I have a pet peeve now of doing email sitting in my desk because we could sit at our desk for 20 days straight doing email. True. I'll take my email over to the gym and I'll take resistant bands and I'll be doing hamstring work. I will be listening to a conference call and I might be doing some TRX uh, lap pulls down. It's like uh, I've been on conference calls where we just start doing wall sits because (laughs) 
you know, I'm listening, I'm focused, but may as well get some wall sits in. Weave it into your life. Weave your commute. The more you can use your commute through at least mm. walking or I now cycle all the time to work or running. But you deserve the time and also you weave small moments in. You don't have to always have even an hour to go work out. You said you don't have – we don't have much of anything if we don't have our health. What do you mean by that? It really starts with our mental health and our physical health. And it's a bit like the airplane. If you don't take care of yourself first, you're going to have an awfully hard time taking care of other people. I love taking care of other people. And, and sometimes I will do that to um, to a point where I, I don't take as good care of myself and Every time I revert to, okay, wait, I actually care about the way I feel. I care about the amount of sleep I get. I care about how strong I feel. And I know that when we have our physical and our mental strength, we are best positioned to help other people and try to think about it that way. If, if you're inclined to feel that it's selfish time to take your time, realize, no, actually, your mental health and your physical health – really matters. And you might not always be as healthy as you are. So take or have a chance to be. So seize that chance every, don't always put it off to wait to another day when you can fit in physical exercise or, or mental time to help get yourself in a good place. Time now for your secrets. I'm Mary Wittenberg, and I believe save and invest. Not that I always did it, but I, if I look back in college now, I'd live in a white T-shirt and jeans and not spend any money, <laughs> I think, for decades. Just save it for what you want to spend it on, not on stuff that doesn't matter. Be sure to check out more episodes of Secrets of Wealthy Women on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening.